Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Alright, welcome everybody back to another edition of Chairgating, your NASCAR podcast. I'm your host, Rattlesnake, live here in Austin, Texas. And this episode, I'm going to give a rundown of Atlanta. And then after our quick break, I'm going to go over some things that are currently going on in NASCAR. But first, let's just do that quick rundown. Uh, Eric Almarola and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had the lead on green while Harvick was looking dominant early on. Kyle Larson ended up taking the lead coming off pit road and eventually got the stage one victory. In stage two, Larson had some problems in pit with his lug gun malfunctioning, so Harvick eventually took the lead back over. And even more problems in pit road. Logano was boxed in by Alex Bowman, which caused him to lose about 10 spots. And in perfect Atlanta fashion, Harvick eventually hit a bump and caused him to get loose, which allowed Larson to take the lead back over. And after battling for the lead between Larson and Harvick, Larson also eventually got loose, and Harvick won Stage 2. In Stage 3, Larson had the lead until around 105 laps to go, when Kyle Busch had his right rear tire go out, causing the first non-stage caution. Larson was caught speeding on pit road, which allowed Harvick to once again take the lead, but that wouldn't last long because Ryan Blaney took the lead. But during a green flag cycle of pit stops, all hell broke loose. Ryan Priest collided with BJ McLeod and Blaney also backed his car up and broke his jack, giving his teammate Logano the lead. And after some confusion with lapped cars, Brad Keselowski eventually took the lead with Martin Truex Jr. close on his tail. Truex's final run made for a hell of an exciting finish with the two racing purely off talent, but Brad Keselowski eventually took the win. 
And that's the recap. I'm going to try to keep them shorter because the way I look at it is if you're listening to a NASCAR podcast, you already watched the race. You know what happened. So I'm just going to kind of do bullet points of what went down during the race. I don't want to waste my time on this podcast. And more importantly, I don't want to waste yours. I know you're listening to this to get a little bit more insight on what's going on in NASCAR and maybe just a a different opinion. What I would like to focus on in this race, however, was my team prediction rankings for the 2019 NASCAR season that I made before the season even happened. I ranked Penske as the number one team that I thought would be for the 2019 season. And they have Brad Keselowski, who won the race, Ryan Blaney, who finished 22nd, and Joey Logano, who finished 23rd. But I do want to mention, overall, Team Penske did look really dominant. I know they had Brad Keselowski get the win, but even still, Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano were both in the lead at one point. So overall, the team looked good, even though they finished 22nd and 23rd. Next, I ranked Joe Gibbs Racing, and they also did really well. Martin Truex Jr., as you already know, finished second. Kyle Busch, third. Eric Jones, seventh. And Denny Hamlin, 11th. That's a good day. I mean, overall, they didn't get the win, although it was close. But they had a good day, all four of their drivers. Not to mention, last week at the Daytona 500, they had one, two, and three. With Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Eric Jones. So now this week, Martin Truex Jr. reminded everybody why he's such a huge addition to that team, getting second and making a run for the win. Next, I ranked Stuart Haas Racing, and they had Kevin Harvick, who finished fourth, Clint Boyer, who finished fifth, Eric Almarola, who finished eighth, and Daniel Suarez, who finished tenth. Overall, also a really dominant team. We all know that Kevin Harvick's great, but it was a little bit of a disappointment how he finished the race because I think everybody had Harvick picked as the winner he is Mr. Atlanta at this point. I mean, that is his track. Nevertheless, it was a good finish for the team. Clint Boyer finishing fifth. And Clint Boyer's looking really good this season, by the way. I just want to mention that. He's reminding everybody why the you know these old guys still kind of run the game with Kevin Harvick and Clint Boyer. Finishing high in both these first races, Eric Almarola finished eighth, which is good for Eric Almarola. But I think a lot of people were expecting a little bit more in this race, just like they were in the Daytona 500. Either way, he has been looking really good this season, so I think he will eventually get a win. All four of their cars finish in the top 10, but more importantly, Daniel Suarez finishing 10th is really impressive for a guy in this new car. I've been pretty hard on Daniel Suarez because I haven't really understood the hype around him. I haven't really seen it yet. And he's in a really good car right now, so there's no excuse. And him finishing 10th actually shows me that maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. I'm not willing to fully admit that yet, but that's a good finish for him. Next, I had Chip Ganassi, and Kurt Busch finished 6th, and Kyle Larson finished 12th. Now, Kurt Busch is in a new car. Finishing 6th, that's just outside the top 5. That's impressive. And I'm pretty sure anyone would admit that his car this year isn't as good as his his car last year that Daniel Suarez is now in. But I have confidence in Kurt Busch. I know he's a great driver. I mean, he's a championship driver. He's a veteran. Also, Kyle Larson finishing 12th is a bit disappointing considering how well he was running all day. But I'm confident that Kyle Larson's going to get a win. I mean, he's bound to get a win very, very soon. He's an incredible driver and arguably the most talented driver right now. I would argue it's between probably him and Kyle Busch, whereas Kyle Busch, I think, has an incredible car. Kyle Larson is so talented. 
And next I had Hendrick, and I'm not gonna lie, I had pretty high hopes for Hendrick this year, even if it was only for Chase Elliott or maybe Alex Bowman, but Atlanta did not look good for this team. Alex Bowman finished 15th, William Byron 17th, Chase Elliott 19th, and Jimmy Johnson 24th. That's never good when your two best drivers on the team are finishing really low, and your two young drivers are also finishing low, but better than your highlight drivers. I still have a lot of faith for Chase Elliott. He has to have a good season this year. I don't think I can be wrong about that. I mean, otherwise, I think everyone's going to be wrong about that. And I actually had pretty high hopes for Alex Bowman this year because last year he looked really solid. Whereas William Byron, who was the rookie of the year and the guy they've really been hyping up for Hendrick, has, has yet to impress me. And I'm not trying to put too much on his shoulders just yet. He's a young driver. He's really new to the Cup Series. But he does have some of the best equipment with the best crew chief working today, if not the best of all time. So it's unfortunate that such a young driver like William Byron has so much on his shoulders. But Hendrick has put a lot into him. Whereas Jimmy Johnson, no one's sure about. He looked like in Daytona, he was going to be racing crazy hard. And I even said on here on this podcast uh, last week or two weeks ago that I think this could be the season that Jimmy Johnson comes back to try to get another championship before he retires. So far, I'm not seeing that play out. And maybe I was totally wrong. Maybe he's still on his downslope and he's just not going to come back. And he's eventually just going to have to retire. After Henrik, I had RCR, Daniel Hemrick finished 20th, and Austin Dillon finished 21st. And first of all, you know, Austin Dillon, what can be said, he had a terrible race. It was a bad day for him. But Daniel Hemrick, I am going to talk about more later. I said, I've said every episode, I think, this season and even this offseason that I am super hyped for Daniel Hemrick. I think he's an incredible driver. And I think he's going to help RCR a lot. And this race proved it. He finished 20th, but he was running in the top five late in the race. Like I said, I'm going to talk more about that in just a second, though. After RCR, I had Roush Fenway. Ryan Newman finished 13th, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished 18th. Ryan Newman was driving around 13th, where he finished like the whole race. He looked like a solid, you know, just outside the top 10 inside the top five type driver. And although he's new to Roush and no longer at RCR, Newman's still proving that he has something to offer. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finishing 18th, I mean, what can be said, right? It's it's a, He's on the Roush team. Last but not least, I ranked JTG Darty, and they had Chris Buescher finish 9th, and Ryan Priest, their rookie, finished 35th. It was pretty cool seeing Chris Buescher finish in a top 10, honestly, because we know that the JTG cars don't really have any speed, so he had a good race. But Ryan Priest had an incredible race, just like Daniel Hemmer. He was a rookie running in the top 10 at the end of the race. And I'm going to talk more later about what happened to him on pit road, but it was a really unfortunate way to end such an incredible race for him. So if I had to rank these teams after Atlanta, I would probably go Penske first, only because they actually got the win, and also... Ryan Blaney and Joey Logano both had the lead at one point. Then I would rank Joe Gibbs Racing, who overall had probably the best day out of anybody team-wise. After that, it'd be Stuart Haas, then Chip Ganassi. Then I would actually rank JTG, only because Busher finished in the top 10, which is really good for that team. And Priest looked like he was going to do the same, if not just outside that, if he wouldn't have had that mistake at the end of the race. 
After that, I would actually rank Roush Fenway because their drivers were both inside the top 20 with Newman inside the top 15. And I know this is going to cause some drama, but I would actually rank RCR next. I know AD had a pitiful day, but Hemrick legitimately looked like he was going to finish inside the top 5 as a rookie on only his second race of the season. And I know this is going to sound like a bullshit excuse, but AD did not have the right equipment for this race. But last and certainly least... I would rank Hendrick, and I don't hate Hendrick. In fact, I really like Chase Elliott. It's my wife's favorite driver, and I want to see him do really well. I want to see him win a championship. But none of their drivers looked very competitive, other than maybe Bowman, which is really disappointing for a team that has Jimmy Johnson and Chase Elliott on it. So that's actually not too far off from my original preseason ranking so far. Once again, I predicted Penske, Joe Gibbs, Stuart Haas, Chip Ganassi, Hendrick, RCR, Roush, and JTG. And after Atlanta, I ranked them Penske, Joe Gibbs, Stuart Haas, Chip Ganassi, JTG, Roush, RCR, and Henrik. So there was only a little difference there. And obviously, this is only the second race of the season, so I think my preseason prediction is going to hold pretty strong. Other than maybe Joe Gibbs overtaking Penske as number one, but I even mentioned in the article that I originally wrote, which I recommend you going to check out at bellyupsports.com, I even mentioned in that article that I could see Joe Gibbs overtaking Penske as number one, because those two, I think, are the two best teams. And I got a little bit of feedback for ranking Chip Ganassi over Hendrick when I originally wrote the article, but so far I think that actually looks right. Kurt Busch and Kyle Larson are two great drivers, and based off skill alone, I think they could outtake Hendrick, who has the better equipment, but it's weird to say not as skilled drivers because Jimmy Johnson is easily one of the best drivers of all time, but he does not look like it right now. And so far, Chase Elliott hasn't shown me what I was hoping I would see. And I also wanted to go back and mention the two Rookie of the Year candidates, Ryan Priest and Daniel Hemrick. They were both running inside the top 10 with only 70 laps to go. Ryan Priest unfortunately hit BJ McLeod, which I mentioned earlier, during a green flag pit stop. Initially, a lot of people were upset with Priest because it looked like that he was the one that made contact, which, I mean, technically it was. But to me, it looked like McLeod was at fault because he stopped suddenly. It, it looked like he missed his pit and then just stopped. And he was like, oh, shit, I just missed where I'm supposed to go and just stopped and started turning down. Now, Priest also mentioned that he was looking at his dash during this time to make sure he wasn't speeding, which you can't really blame him for, but I guess, you know, a more experienced driver would have been looking up to see that happen, but that's just hindsight. And unfortunately, the damage caused Priest to DNF finish 35th, which is just a tragic way to end such a great run for a rookie. And for Daniel Hemrick, this was only his fourth ever cup start, and yet he was running in fourth with only 25 laps to go in this race. He was not racing like a rookie. He was racing like a veteran driver because he was racing with the veteran drivers for the lead. And he was consistently building up to that fourth position. I remember when he was just outside top 10 and I was like, uh-oh, look, Hemrick's just outside top 10. Is he going to be able to do something? Nudging closer, closer, closer until finally gets in fourth. Unfortunately, Hemrick had to pit due to damage and ended up finishing 20th. But I'm confident that we're going to see Hemrick in a similar position this season. I think he actually might get a win, or at least a top five finish. And I've been hyping up Hendrick for so long in this podcast. 
like I've said before, I'm an RCR fan. I love that they brought the eight car back, and I really like Hendrick. I've been following him for a while. I like him as a as a personality. He seems like a real likable guy, and he also was an incredible driver. And although it was a tragic way to end such a great race for both rookies, it looks like this year's race for Rookie of the Year is already going to be light years better than last year's, with Bubba Wallace and William Byron battling in the back for practically every race. Which is funny because I feel like last year's Rookie of the Year race got a lot more hype because of Bubba Wallace, who's already one of the most likable drivers, I think, and already has huge popularity. And also William Byron being in the 24 car, running the old Jeff Gordon paint schemes, and a lot of hype behind him for Hendrick. But it's funny because I feel like not as many people are talking about Priest and Hemrick, and maybe it's because of the teams they're on. JTG and RCR are not going to get as much publicity as seeing two rookie drivers in the old Richard Petty car and Jeff Gordon car. Either way, I'm already extremely stoked for this Rookie of the Year race, and so far the season's been really incredible. The Daytona 500 was so much better than I expected, and if you listened to last week's episode, you know I I dove into that a lot more. And I heard some negative feedback uh, about Atlanta, but nothing really uh, of solid value. I thought it was a great race. It had a really exciting finish and had a lot of people competing for the lead. And problems on pit road and also just tires going out is what you expect from Atlanta. It's the reason that drivers and fans don't want them to repave it. So as far as product on the track, I think this this was much better than what we anticipated and a lot better from last year's. Now the TV ratings were down, I think, 0.1% or something like that, which means there wasn't much difference and that's not necessarily a good sign. Well, it's not at all, but I also don't think it's it's getting any worse. Like I've said, I think we've hit the bottom for NASCAR and the only place to go from here is up. Now, the Atlanta race did not show us the full aero package that we will be getting this season. That's coming this weekend in Las Vegas. And I know every NASCAR fan is waiting on pins and needles to see what happens with that. But if this is any indication of what that aero package might look like, then so far I'm satisfied. I know most race fans don't want NASCAR to mess with the racing itself. They just want them to open up and drive, and I'm all for that, but so far we haven't figured out how that's going to happen with the horsepower they have and the cars that they're in. So if this is the best that we're going to get, it's better than last year, and so far I've been satisfied, and I'm really excited for this weekend in Las Vegas. I'm already more excited for each race each weekend than I was last year. And I guess that's going to do it for the recap. I know, like I said, these are all quick recaps, and I'm trying to make the episodes quite a bit shorter. But speaking of shorter, when we come back after this quick commercial break, I want to talk about this drama that's going on right now between NASCAR fans, whether we should have shorter races or not. And I also want to talk about Kyle Busch because he just hit a milestone, and a lot of people are pissed off about it because it's Kyle Busch. So we're going to get into that right after this break. Do you play fantasy sports? Of course you do. With roughly $7 billion being earned this year in fantasy football, why not earn some easy money in the most lucrative online gambling? I highly recommend using Pro Football Focus. This site breaks down every stat at every position for every single player in the game. With a PFF and- Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. 
So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Edge subscription at only $9.99 a month or $39.99 a year. It gives you the edge to make the easiest money possible. And you can finally enjoy just watching football rather than always stressing about your lineup. Go to chairgating.com right now. Subscribe by hitting the green link. And you can think of it as an investment because you will make so much more money back. PFF Edge. Try it today. If you live in Texas like me, beach season never really ends. And if you got some extra LBs to lose also like me, but not seeing all the results you want to see when you're hitting the gym, you gotta try the best new pre-workout, Zeus Juice. This company is blowing up right now, but all their prices are still crazy low. They got all the flavors you'd want, like Fruit Punch, Orange Burst, Blue Raz, Watermelon, but you gotta get it while it's hot before everybody else hops on this trend. And if those prices aren't low enough for you, I got good news. Just go to ZeusJuiceOnline.com right now, type in coupon code BELLYUP10 off. Don't miss this great opportunity to get the best new workout product on the market today. All right, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed all those awesome commercials. First, I want to talk about all the drama with Kyle Busch right now. And as NASCAR fans, we're used to drama around Kyle Busch. But this time, it's about his greatness. Not so much about how much we hate him or something that he did to get fined by NASCAR or what he did or talked about another driver. No, this is about... Is Kyle Busch one of the greatest drivers of all time? And I want to give a shout out to my buddy Eric Estep, who made an excellent video, which is on YouTube about this. It's on his show, Out of the Groove. So if you enjoy what I'm talking about here, I highly recommend going and checking out his site because a lot of these statistics I'm going to be talking about, I actually took from his video. So I want to make sure to give him a shout out before I go any further. But Kyle Busch has caused some drama because he is now the most winning driver in the truck series history. He just got his 52nd career truck win. And all together with his Xfinity, his Cup Series, and his Truck Series wins, he's now at 159 wins, edging really close to Richard Petty. And although Richard Petty's 200 wins were all in the Cup Series, it was a very different time. So a lot of Kyle Busch fans are kind of arguing, well, it's still 200 wins in a much more competitive era, which I tend to agree with. It's kind of like saying, you know, could Babe Ruth play in the MLB today? And I'm usually in the ballpark, whereas I don't think Babe Ruth would be at least as good today as he was then. And I think it's similar with Richard Petty. Nevertheless, I don't want to take away from Richard Petty and all of his accomplishments because regardless of what time period you're competing in, you're still competing against other people. And to win 200 races, regardless of who you are, is a huge accomplishment. But I do want to talk about this. Now, 52 career wins in the truck series is incredible. He is now the most winningest truck driver 
of all time, and he also is the most winningest Xfinity Series driver of all time with 92 wins. And I don't think anybody would argue his greatness or have any problem ranking him this high if he wasn't so polarizing. He's a guy that's easy to hate, but also easy to love if you love winning. One of our newest contributors to BellyUpSports.com, he is now officially on the BellyUp Racing team. Eli, he just posted today an article about how it's titled, Liking Kyle Busch is the New Punk Rock. And obviously, he's a Kyle Busch fan. So it will be fairly biased when you read it, but I do recommend checking it out because it kind of breaks down the reason that people hate him so much, but also the reason some people love him. I would say a lot of people love him. The metaphor he uses is it's like being a Patriots fan. The people that win the most will be the most hated, but they're easy to cheer for because they win so much. And not to mention, Kyle Busch kind of has this I-don't-give-a-shit attitude that... Dale Earnhardt had. Now, I'm not saying Kyle Busch is Dale Earnhardt. There is a difference. I, I understand the complaints about Kyle Busch. They say he whines a lot and complains a lot and he's a crybaby. And I do see that when he loses or something doesn't go his way, he kind of seems whiny about it. Whereas Dale Earnhardt wouldn't have whined about something like that. But either way, we have to recognize what he's done. And Eric Estep in his video broke down winning percentages of Kyle Busch in all of these series and compared them to other great drivers so we can kind of see where you can place Kyle Busch because it's not so much about how many he's won, but it's his incredible winning percentage. For instance, in the truck series, he had 146 starts and now has 52 career wins. That's a winning percentage of 36%. To put that into comparison, the previous record holder, Ron Hornaday, only had a 14% winning percentage in the truck series, and he previously held the record. In fact, Kyle Busch more than doubles any other truck series driver in winning percentage. That alone really should be the record that we focus on because that's incredible. Now, you can't go completely off percentage because some people only drive in 10 races, but any driver that has enough races to compare a percentage, that's the thing we should be looking at, and that's what I loved that Eric broke down for us. Not to mention he drives for his own team, Kyle Busch Motorsports, which is crazy impressive. And it's not all amateur drivers in the truck series either, like a lot of people will try to argue. There are plenty of very good drivers in the truck series. Ron Hornaday, for instance, was an amazing driver, and he previously held the record, which Kyle Busch just broke and more than doubled his winning percentage. Eric had a really good line in his video that I just want to quote right now. He said, the truck series should be renamed the Kyle Busch series. And he's got a point. It really is. And when Kyle Busch retires, I hope he focuses on truck series. I think that'd be really exciting to see what Kyle Busch Motorsports could do in the truck series. Now, we also have to talk about his Xfinity win percentage because he holds the record for most wins in that as well. Kyle Busch's Xfinity win percentage is 27%, which is also incredible and really impressive. To compare that with some of the other drivers, Mark Martin had 21%. Brad Keselowski, who is a driver that a lot of people will compare with Kyle Busch because they're both great drivers right now. Keselowski only had 15%, and same with Harvick. The guy probably most compared with Kyle Busch only had 14%. So once again, 
Kyle Busch not only holds the record for most wins in the series, he shatters everybody else in win percentage. And of course, the big one we have to discuss is the Cup Series. He is currently 11th all-time for wins. He has 51 wins in the Cup Series, and already being ranked 11th is really impressive. I'd have to double check. I, I didn't. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he's second only to Jimmy Johnson for current drivers. If once again, if I'm wrong about that, then I apologize. But I'm pretty confident when I say that. Now, looking at win percentage in the Cup Series, he has 10%, and clearly that's nowhere near what he has in Xfinity or especially Truck Series. But once again, Eric gave us some data for other incredible and legendary drivers in the Cup Series. For instance, Rusty Wallace, who had 55 wins just above Kyle Busch, his win percentage was only at 8%, which I'm not trying to take away from Rusty Wallace. That's still a really good win percentage, believe it or not, but that just goes to show how good Kyle Busch's 10% actually is. And Daryl Waltrip, a Hall of Famer, somebody that is widely considered to be one of the best drivers of all time, he had 84 wins, but he drove in more than 300 races. And he also had 10%, just like Kyle Busch. Now, I don't want to go out on a limb here because I have no idea what's going to happen. But if they're both at the same percentage and Kyle Busch continues to perform the way he has been performing for the past four or five years, then we can expect Kyle Busch to surpass Daryl Waltrip in win percentage. And finally, Dale Earnhardt, a driver who is widely considered one of the best drivers of all time, top two, top three best drivers ever to live. He had a win percentage of 11%, which is incredibly impressive, especially when you look at the amount of championships he had. But the thing is, nobody's questioning how great Dale Earnhardt was, and he only has 1% more in win percentage than Kyle Busch currently. It's definitely something we have to look at and consider when we're discussing how great Kyle Busch really is. And I mentioned in an article that I had previously written where I rank all the best drivers in every generation car model. And I mentioned in that article, which is on Belly Up Sports, that Kyle Busch is the best driver in Gen 6. He's better than Kevin Harvick. He's better than Brad Keselowski. He's better than Joey Logano. He's better than Martin Truex Jr. He is the best driver right now in the Gen 6 car. And I know Jimmy Johnson is still driving, but Jimmy Johnson does not have as many wins as Kyle Busch in Gen 6. So Kyle Busch is clearly at the top of his game right now, which leads me to believe he's go only going to increase and hit that 200 win mark. And out of the five playoffs that NASCAR has given us so far, Kyle Busch has been in four straight championship fours. Every single year, we can expect Kyle Busch to be one of the four guys competing for a championship. But the problem there lies his lack of championships. He only has one. And of all the other drivers that we tend to consider the greatest of all time, most of them have multiple championships. Which brings us back to the argument, is Kyle Busch's 200 wins comparable to Richard Petty's? Richard Petty had 200 wins, which, which is incredible, but he also had seven championships. And I think the only way you can argue it is it comes down to time period and competitiveness. And Kyle Busch gets the edge for that because this is a more competitive time period, in my opinion. It's harder to get wins. But Richard Petty has the seven championships, and all 200 of his wins were in the Cup Series. Now, are Kyle Busch's 200 wins as great or as impactful as Richard Petty's? 
And I, I, I got to go, no. I got to side with Richard Petty fans here. And I don't think so, only because the fact of the matter is Richard Petty's 200 wins came in the Cup Series. And no matter if it were two different time periods and two different levels of competitiveness, it was still the Cup Series. Also, Richard Petty, regardless of the time period, had seven championships. Kyle Busch has one. That being said, there is still plenty of time for Kyle Busch to prove that he is top five greatest drivers of all time if he can get some more championships, even just one more. One, but definitely two more, he's up there. And although he's never going to reach Richard Petty's 200 wins in the Cup Series, I think if he got one or two more championships, the argument would be a lot more sustainable. And last but not least, I want to wrap it up with this discussion that's been going on a lot with NASCAR fans if NASCAR will make the races shorter. And I've seen this a lot on social media. A lot of NASCAR fans have been in support of this, saying that the races are just too long and there's no reason for them to be that long. Like any other sport, they should you know, be only two hours. Not to mention the younger generations, which I guess is my generation, us millennials, we have a shorter attention span, which is definitely true. I, I think we do have a shorter attention span. So it's a valid argument. I, I see what they're I see what they're saying there, but I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast are millennials. And if you're not, here's some insight for you. As a millennial, when I watch the race, I don't just watch the race the entire time. And maybe I'm the only one that does this, but I'll be on my phone. I might even play some video games while it's on. I, I'll do other things while it's on. Now I'm still paying attention to the race for the most part, almost nonstop. But if there's something else I can do that doesn't take much attention away from the race, then I'm probably doing that. And like I said, maybe I'm the only one that does this. I I don't know. I thought this is just the way it was growing up when my family would watch NASCAR races. We would be walking around, talking a little bit. It wasn't like you had to focus on the race the entire time. So I think this argument of shorter attention spans doesn't really add up because the long races, if nothing else, gives you something to keep on the TV in the background, even if you don't watch the race. It's something to keep on for a long period of time, and us millennials really enjoy that. It's not like we watch Netflix for four hours a day. We have it on in the background most of the time. That's why everyone rewatches The Office or Parks and Rec, because you've already seen the episodes, and it's just something entertaining to have up while you do other things. And for NASCAR fans that just want shorter races to want shorter races, I truly, truly, truly don't understand that argument. It makes no sense to me at all. In fact, I'm baffled that this is even an argument. This sounds like something NASCAR would be pushing and the fans would actively be shutting down and voicing against. I mean, it's weird how vocal NASCAR fans will be against aero packages or stage racing, but how supportive they are so far of making the races shorter. As a NASCAR fan, I expect the races to be as long as they were last year or the year before that. I really don't want them any shorter. And I'm not saying let's make the 400s, 500s all of a sudden. I'm okay with the length of every race as it stands. Now that being said, I definitely would enjoy to see more track variety. You know, there's certain tracks that we don't need to go to twice a year. But that has nothing to do with the length of the race. And I would think as NASCAR fans, we would all want at least as much racing as we've always gotten. I mean, it's like a golf fan saying, ugh, there's too many holes in this game. I really wish instead of 18 every single day, they only played 12 holes. 
That sounds much more enjoyable because I can't pay attention to all 18 holes. Now that's a ridiculous statement and it makes no sense. And that's my point. I don't understand NASCAR fans saying this. And I know NASCAR fans are notoriously hard-headed, stubborn, and like to complain about a lot. But this is one time that I was hoping the NASCAR fans would be complaining about, would be hard-headed about. I mean, these same NASCAR fans that I know probably watch Game of Thrones when it's on every Sunday on HBO, I guarantee that they are not requesting HBO makes each episode of Game of Thrones 15 minutes shorter. And that doesn't make sense because it's absurd. Who is a Game of Thrones fan and wants shorter episodes? That would be a ridiculous request. And that's the way I view this argument about shorter tracks. And I'm usually not a NASCAR fan that likes to complain about stuff. I try to stay pretty positive, but this one just doesn't make sense to me. And if you're a NASCAR fan listening to this podcast that fully supports shorter races, I mean, honestly, just DM me. You can DM me at Chairgating on Twitter or at Belly Up Racing on Twitter. I mean, any of those. Just hit me up. Let me know why you want shorter races because I'm honestly curious if you have a good reason that I'm just not thinking of. But I think that's going to wrap up this episode. Hope y'all enjoyed it. I know I had a good time. We'll be back next week after Las Vegas. I'm really excited for this race. And once again, go check out bellyupsports.com. I've added multiple new race content contributors, and they're all great. I know last week I mentioned how Belly Up Sports Racing is really coming together and we're going to make it a big thing in the motorsports industry as a means for alternative media. And that's happening right now. We're making the team bigger. We added a new Twitter account and I now have two awesome t-shirts designed on the bellyupsports.com store, which is a, a Teespring website. They're both retro style, early 90s, late 80s NASCAR designs. So anybody who loved the Rusty Wallace, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt era, you'll love these shirts. And if you love one enough, hit me up on Twitter and maybe I can give you a free one. But that's gonna do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week. Peace. I know what's wrong with it. It's a Ford. You know what they say Ford stands for, don't you? It stands for fix it again, Tony.